it's never easy to come back from three um, home runs like that. And then in the fifth inning, I felt like he was searching for it a little bit, trying to find it. And um, I give him a ton of credit bouncing back. I, I thought the sixth and seventh were as good as I've seen Graham. And uh, to do that at the end of your outing after, you know, what what we just talked about is, is very impressive. And, um, you know, getting us to the eighth inning before we had to go to our bullpen was, was great, too. the chips were out in the middle the season was on the line Alexis Diaz comes out and does what Alexis Diaz does and he shuts the door with a little bit of help from Tyler Stevenson by God if I'm gonna crush him and rip that man down I'm gonna give him credit where credit is due shout out to Tyler Stevenson for making one hell of a throw Reds win four to three against the Los Angeles Angels led by Shohei Otani and Mike Trout but they really weren't led today by those two but nonetheless, Nick, uh, this was going to feel like a, an absolute abysmal loss if we stayed up this late and had to do a show after a blown save. So thank the Lord for Tyler Stevenson and Alexis Diaz. Yeah, what a big-time win to start the toughest road trip remaining of the entire season. We've said it many times. This is probably going to determine whether the Reds are in the race into September or not. And the Reds got it started with a huge win, down a couple runs, another comeback win. Just a, a big-time, big-time win for the Cincinnati Reds. Here's the thing. Graham Ashcraft deserved a win. He deserved one of these. I mean, I know that the whole wins and losses isn't really something that's 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 really widely sought after anymore for pitchers, and it's not even really a metric that really anybody hardly uses anymore. But sometimes there's this moral, there's this, there's this uh, psychological effect that goes with it, and I think that uh, Graham Ashcraft should feel great about himself when he lays down to sleep tonight because he gave his team a chance to win, and they did win. And I feel like even though it wouldn't have been anything to do with Graham Ashcraft, whether they won or lost in that last inning, I think his psychology or his psychic metric that when he goes out to make his next start will feel a little bit better than he did before just because we held on and won when he pitched. So, Ready for a box score recap? I'm born ready. All right, first of three games in two days for the Reds in Anaheim against the Los Angeles Angels. Top of the first, Matt McLean, who was born and raised in Orange County, had a 413-foot bomb in his first ever plate appearance at Angel Stadium. Off prize trade deadline acquisition, Lucas Giolito. That made it one nothing Reds. Ellie De La Cruz then walked and stole second base. Ellie became the first player to hit 10 home runs and steal 20 bases in his first 64 games in Major League history, surpassing Barry Bonds' record from 1986. Pretty decent player, I think. Spencer Steer was then hit by a pitch, but then Votto and CES struck out to end the threat in the first. Graham Ashcraft gave up three solo home runs to Brandon Drury, yuck, Mike Moustakis, double and triple yuck, and some guy named Logan O'Hop. And the Reds trailed 3-1 to one going into the top of the fifth. But we haven't seen a lot of the comeback Reds, but they were on full display tonight. Top of the fifth, Will Benson walked. After Tyler Stevenson struck out, T.J. Friedel doubled. Should have been held to a single, but it was misplayed by the Angels right fielder Hunter Renfro. McLean struck out, and then the Ellie effect was in full display. Ellie hit a grounder to Noah Shanuel, the player the Angels decided to call up after just 21 minor league games. 
He booted the ball, surely worried about Ellie De La Cruz's speed. Reds tied the game as the two runners came around. Sear then smoked a ball at 100 miles per hour right past third baseman Mike Moustakis. Ellie scored from first, probably the only player in the sport that would have been able to do so, and that made it 4-3 Reds, and that was more than enough for Graham Ashcraft. He dialed it in after that, retired the last 10 batters he faced, got through seven innings, struck out a career-high 10 batters. Sam Mole and Ian Jabot got through the eighth, and then Alexis Diaz got through the ninth thanks to Tyler Stevenson throwing out a runner after uh, Diaz hit a batter. And the Reds win. Reds now 65-61. and 61. Reds will wake up on Wednesday morning a half game out of the second wildcard spot, now in a crowded race. But the Reds are right back in the NL wildcard race. No, the, no doubt that they, uh, they're right there, man. I mean, as much as this feels disgusting at times and as much as it feels like this offense is paper thin and you're, you're again – hoping and wishing and praying that we're going to get some guys back healthy, although we have some bad news, obviously, on Lodolo that we'll get into later. But in general, this offense has been predicated, as you have on the rundown, by speed and its ability to make havoc on the base pass. They've done that. They didn't They didn't really cash in a couple opportunities, if we're being quite frank. This 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 was a, this was a chance in a, in, a, in a game where if they were to have lost it, you would have looked back at two or three innings, whether that been at the, the Votto situation where he had a t- chance to drive some guys in and he struck out and then CES struck out right behind him, and or later in the game where, um, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but they had guys on, they had other guys in, in scoring position that they couldn't quite cash in on. And then next thing you know, you're looking back, um, I think Frida wasn't able to get Benson in. And it just felt, again, like the same old, same old, if we're being completely honest. I know they won, Nick, so it makes it, it makes you feel a little bit better. But this offense is still struggling to find a way to get the big hit. And tonight, you could argue, and again, I'm not here to be the pessimistic guy, of course, but you could make the argument that really, outside of the Angels giving us the biggest gift of all, we 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 would have also been in the same predicament we've been in, which is two, three runs, fighting for our lives to see if we can't win a baseball game. And it's hard to win baseball games when you only score two and three runs. So shout out to that first baseman for for getting a little too concerned about Ellie. I know Ellie's fast, but uh, I don't think he's that fast, Nick, which is nice. That goes back to whole stats thing. goes back to a little bit of the analytics. It's hard to it's hard to say that that was Ellie's run, but if you watch the game, I think that we could all agree the reason that that guy rushed, the reason he made that mistake, the reason there was an error was because of Ellie's speed. You know, we've said it a million times. His speed has a, a cumulative effect. So sometimes when you see him maybe make a, a dumb, boneheaded play on the base pass, remember that play right there. People are so worried about him because he runs so recklessly on the base pass. It it gets in players' head. They crap their pants. One thing we didn't mention, Trace, this was the Reds' first win in Anaheim since 2002. Damn. How about that? How many, I mean, not to ask you off the top of your head, because I'm sure you don't have it, but I'm like, how many chances did they have to win since 2002? It couldn't have been many. Seven, they lost seven straight. Okay. Well, seven straight is still bad, but it's not like 2002, man. Yeah, you'll be seeing that. This is 2023. Like, I'm doing the math in my head. That's a long time, man. Yeah, you won't be seeing as many of those type of things anymore with uh, playing teams uh, in their ballpark every other year. But, hey, nonetheless, it's a, it's a cool feat. It's a cool thing. Uh, no doubt. 
it's an all-around team game. Everybody in this, everybody on this team made a play to make to to to, to give the Reds a chance to win. Listen, I, I I see some folks in the chat that are obviously on Votto's side. They're not on Votto's side. Votto made a good defensive play at the end of the game that Steve points out, um, and we should. Mike points out, excuse me, but Mike points out that Joey made a heck of a scoop on that ball, and he did. I mean, Joey Votto doesn't scoop that baseball at the end of the game. Who knows what happens? They might not win. So ultimately, this team uh, that we've—I don't know how many times we got to say it, Nick—but don't let us get, don't let us get to where we're at right now in the standings, in about two weeks from now. Don't let us do that. Yeah. Now, should we be there? Probably not. Probably not. But I look at it, the Giants are kind of, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're falling apart, but they're kind of falling apart. You got the, the Miami uh, Marlins, who I would argue is probably, in my opinion, out of all the teams on that list, I think the Marlins are the worst team. I think they're the team that, I guess if every team that was fighting for a wild card spot all played seven game series, I'm picking the Marlins to finish last, personally. Would you agree with that or disagree with that? Probably that that Arizona team's interesting because they've not looked at all like they looked in the first half. Probably could say the same thing about the Reds. Marlins got some good pitching though. That that's the thing that kind of scares me. I honestly think that Giants team, as much as I'm a huge Gabe Kapler fan and a fan of a lot of the things that they do, that team to me kind of feels like maybe the weakest because they they're also dealing with a lot of injuries right now. I, I don't know if they'll be able to hold as much, but really, I mean. When you're down to five, six weeks left in a season, it's who gets hot. I mean, right. it, it, you know, the Reds won 12 in a row. All these other teams are probably capable of doing something like that. And if you do, if you have one of those stretches, that that's going to determine it. So, right. uh, you know, when you're, when you're down, that, that's why, like, statistically speaking, uh, you know, are the Reds going to make the playoffs? People ask me that. I go, eh, probably not, but. Could the Reds get hot? Yeah, they're just capable of getting hot as any of these other teams. The expected win-loss record for based off runs scored and runs allowed is an interesting thing they've they've started to keep track on in the MLB standings. And the Reds are supposed to be four games below 500 based off of obviously that the statistics that they're using. And the wild the wild thing to me is that San Diego is supposed to be 70 and 57. That's why you play the games. That's why you play the games. Doesn't always add up the way that it's supposed to. Um, meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds, 65 and 61, San Diego, 60 and 67. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't know for, I, I guess we are overachieving, but I'm to the point now where, um, I think today I watched the first two innings of this game and I've, I've come to this conclusion. This season's been a success, a smashing success. I know that we've tried to hint around that, um, before we've tried to kind of, I don't want to say kind of tow tow ourselves around that point because you have people that are going to get very upset and say, well, you know, you're just being a pushover because, you know, you're just, you're looking at it from the standpoint of a loser's mentality and they need to win, win, win. Now, of course we want them to win now, but my gosh, like we, we have some, we have some really good young players, man. And like, it's one of those things where when you watch them play, it's not, uh, I don't think it's a flash in the pan type stuff. I know that some will point out like, oh, look at Tyler Stevenson. You thought that he was going to be a, a franchise type player and now look at him. I get that that's always an option. That's a possibility. But the way that Noel Ve Marte looks at the plate, his comfortability at the plate, this young, this early is, it's impressive, man. It's impressive. Now, will it pan out the way that I think it's going to? Maybe not. 
But I'm telling you, Nick, he looks incredibly comfortable at the plate. Yeah, he just missed a home run down the right field line too tonight that won't show up in any box score. Uh, he turned on a, on a pitch, and I, I could not believe he was able to uh, take it the other way uh, as well as he did. Just missed it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he did strike out three times tonight, but got a hit. I get that. He's different than calling up uh, Henry Ramos or TJ Hopkins or any of these guys. You, he feels a lot different. You can tell this guy is a bona fide top prospect. Even if he struggles, you, you can just see it a lot more with a guy like Noel B. Martin. I have a question. Uh, who do you think won this uh, the, 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 this um, game that was played tonight? Um, it almost feels like it was a tie. You have the crowd that was screaming and yelling about making <laughs> trades at the deadline with Giolito, and then you have the crowd that I feel like I was in, which is, hey, these guys are marginal pitchers at best. I'm not trading a bunch of guys to go out and get somebody that might not even be good for us. And then on top of that, even if they are good, we still might not make the postseason. It seems like a bad, it just seems like a bad idea. Um, who do you think won tonight? Do you think that that was an even trade? Cause he kind of threw the ball pretty well, but then they also gave up, he gave up some runs who, who won that matchup, Nick. We also have to throw in the wrench of Sam Mole also pitched in this game. Reds, big trade deadline acquisition struck out Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar, Mike Trout got an infield single, probably a ball, maybe should have been played. It was kind of in between. Not not a great hit by Trout. And then he got Sho- Shohei Otani out. So Sam Mole pitched pretty well too. So I think overall you have to you have to give the advantage just slightly to the Reds. I think Mole just pushes the Reds over the top. Okay. Fair enough. Um they're saying in the in the chat that Nick is a little louder than me, so I'll push myself up a little bit there. Maybe that'll fix the problem. I don't know. But here's here's a uh, a quick thought as we jump down into Ashcraft in the bullpen. I want to go to the bullpen first. We'll talk about Ashcraft second because I want to get to a quick little thought and a point that you that you may have interest in. David Bell went to uh, or did he did not go? He had an opportunity to go to a left-hander. Uh, there, the last the the last out. Um, that was made was a pinch hitter. It was a left-hander that came up to the plate. Correct, Nick? I don't want to, to misspeak here. But nonetheless... The last batter for Ashcraft? Yes. And they allowed Ashcraft to stay in the game. It was an opportunity, in my opinion, where Bell could have come out. He could have let Mole and or Alex Young throw. He obviously decided to use Mole the following inning with, um, with Otani coming to the plate. But I don't know. I mean... It almost seemed like was there a little bit of a a little bit of a tell there by David Bell in his trust and belief, not in Sam Mole, but I think he he planned on using Sam Mole the next inning already in his head. Was that something towards Alex Young, or am I reading too much into that? Because yeah, you, you got to throw to three hitters, and I think that was also in David Bell's mind. It's like, listen, if he comes in and he loses the first guy, then we're in real trouble. So he just let Ashcraft kind of push through and didn't. I don't want to say he didn't trust Alex Young, but in a way, he just didn't trust him. Well, in fair, the guy that brought in Luis uh, Rendifo is a switch hitter, and uh, actually, okay. it's lefties over two hundred fifty po- OPS points higher. <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, well, that's good. Good, good uh, to know. Sa- he came up Sam- when he came up to the plate for me, Nick. He was left-handed. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sam Mole came in, and the first batter was supposed to be that that rookie lefty. Uh, they ended up pinch hitting, but you brought in a significantly lesser hitter 
and Escobar. Well, I mean, maybe who knows? This guy's played five big league games, but nonetheless, sure, he's batting leadoff. So I, I assume the Angels have some faith in the guy. And then Mike Trout actually has significantly over the course of his career significant reverse splits. He actually hits right-handed pitchers a lot better, and then Otani hits right-handed pitching a lot better. So that's a great spot to use your lefty in, in that spot. Uh, I think the most interesting thing was that David Bell went to Jabot, uh against Brandon Drury. I thought that was interesting. I don't I don't know if that was a tell on Sims. Sims did warm up in the game, so I don't think it was a case where, you know, Sims was, you know, something was barking unless he got up and something was barking. We'll never know that. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that he went to Jabot over Sims or an Alexis Diaz four-out save. But Jabot's been pitching really well. So, you know, I think that's part of it's probably a faith in Jabot as well. Yeah, I mean, Jabot's been really, really good. This bullpen's been unbelievable. We, we say that every show. I don't know how many times we got to say it, but it just seems like if you don't say it, you're, you're, it's malpractice. I mean, how can you not bring up the bullpen when they come in every single game and don't even give up a damn run? It's like, it's one thing, uh, Nick, that they've that they've kind of held their own. It's another thing the way they've been pitching lately, where they just don't even give up runs. So come in the fifth, come in the fifth or sixth inning, and they don't give up runs. And then there's outings where they don't even give up a hit. So, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't, I, I don't know what else to say about the bullpen outside of feeling like we're beating dead horse a little bit with that one. But Graham Ashcraft to jump back into him, of all the guys um, that we needed to come back and throw the ball well. We joke about how, you know, Williamson and, and, and you know, guys like him and Kennedy and and uh, I, I'm Luke Weaver, I know he's a, he obviously got picked up. Shout out to Luke Weaver. Uh, good for him, for the uh, for the Mariners. Hopefully we get to see him throw here soon. But the, the maybe not hopefully, yeah, that might be a bad thing. Maybe we don't want to see Luke Weaver throw. I just think here's the thing. Ashcraft, of all the names I just mentioned, was the one guy that we were concerned about halfway through the year, and he's been nailed since he's come back, and he's gotten himself back underneath him, his footing back underneath him. Um, you know, I. It definitely feels like, if we're being completely honest, at least in my heart of hearts, it definitely feels like we're walking on thin ice right now. Like, we just we got no margin for error. Nobody can get hurt. Guys, got to start playing a little bit better. But overall, to harken back what I said earlier, what a, what an unbelievable year, guys. I, I don't want to sound like this season's over. I don't want it to sound like I'm being like, you know, ooh, too mushy, too soft. Unbelievable season. Unbelievable season. We have a great, great, great foundation ahead of us. No matter what happens, I'm telling you, Matt McLean and Ellie are your middle infielders for the – foreseeable future and those are the two of the best players in my opinion those will be the two of the best players in all of major league baseball all of major league baseball and and again i think noel Vey looks great will benson might end up being a stud we can go down the line we do it every show you get my point nick i'm just gonna say it one last time unbelievable season i got three points here all right so first one is uh on your overall point about how we're walking on thin ice. I think if Hunter Green comes out and shoves in his next start, I think that completely changes so much about the Cincinnati Reds going down the stretch. Uh, I, I think him coming out and getting shelled on Sunday, there's no there's no question. And then the, the Dolo news we'll get to in a minute. The combination of those two, that's as big of a gut punch as they have. But Hunter Green comes out and shoves this weekend. 
I think we're going to feel a lot better about things overall. Uh, secondly, Graham Ashcraft, I, I career high 10 strikeouts. He's missing a lot more bats and you can get away without striking out batters, but Graham Ashcraft was kind of at too low of a level early in the year. Even when he was having some of that success, he's really found a way to miss more bats. And I think that's taken him from a guy that, that maybe was a league average pitcher to a guy that can be a bona fide, you know, I, I don't want to say ace. I think that's pushing it too far, but below that, right. I, I think he's there. And then I just ran the numbers here, Trace. Reds bullpen, last five games. 20 and a third innings pitched, six hits, one run, five walks, 18 strikeouts. That's just stupid. It's getting it done. That's getting it done. You know who else got it done that we have not done yet, which we will do right now? I know that you probably have it primed and ready to go. And that is the deep drive of the day. The deep drive of the day. Matt McLean, I'm trying not to yell because I know that everyone in my house is sleeping. But Giolito had a little bit of a problem, didn't he? Had a little bit of a problem. Just so happened to be Matt McLean on the homecoming. Very first at bat. Back in his own backyard. Where he grew up. Ten miles away from back where he used to imagine, envision himself playing in that stadium. And Matt McLean hits a ball 105 miles an hour. 413 feet. 23 degrees off the bat. And it landed in the stands. one nothing Reds. That is the deep drive, deep south commodities, deep fly of the game. Thank you to our friends at Deep South Commodity. And as always, DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil, collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thank you to our friends at Deep South Commodities as always. Shout out to John and their crew. Here's the thing. Uh, as always, like the stream, go to deepsouthcommodities.com, give them a hit, come back, watch the show, enjoy yourself, maybe even drink a fine Pilsner if you have that in you. If you don't, that's okay too. Maybe drink you some uh, some water before you go to bed. Nick, um, next thing on the rundown here is some Reds news. This isn't really good news. It's not good news. Yeah, so the big news of the day, just before uh, the game started, Nicola Dolo endured a setback on August 20th during his rehab start at AAA Louisville. Didn't look completely right. Walked three batters in that start. Was hoping just it was a command, but clearly it was something more. MRI revealed a reoccurrence of a stress reaction in his left tibia. He was sent for a second opinion, and the hope of having him active by the end of August now appears unlikely. That is via Mark Sheldon. Uh, so, I mean, let's be real. Adol's probably shut down for the year, barring a miracle, He's done. right? He's done. Yeah. Um, hate to be the bear of bad news. Lodolo not coming back till next year. I don't know. What, what, what do we plan to get out of him anyways? And I'm not trying to sound like a, um, superly overly optimistic guy, but in general terms, I don't know if we expected to get a ton out of Lodolo this year. Maybe you could say that you could, you were going to get a guy that was going to come in and, and be kind of like an opener type arm where he's going to throw three to four innings and he can kind of get himself back in the groove of things. And if we did make the postseason, then perhaps Lodolo is at full strength at that point. I don't know. I, I guess uh, the, the more of the concern for me is less about this year and more about moving forward and what that looks like going into next year. And is this guy going to be injury prone throughout the rest of his career? Is he, is he always going to have an issue of trying to get on, uh, on the field? I guess this is uh this is part of the why this is part of the reason why, uh, 
the small market teams don't don't extend guys as soon as they start to look okay, huh, Nick? I um, I guess if there's a blessing in disguise, doesn't mean that we should celebrate it by any means. But it is also at least we can at least admit that it's nice to know that we didn't you know have a huge extension for Lodolo, and next thing you know we're having troubles getting on the field. So um, your quick thoughts, I guess, on on Lodolo and how you felt about it when you heard the news. Yeah, it's it, it stinks. I think for this year, more so than like what Lodolo could just bring to the Reds in terms of like taking over a spot and filling it. The thing that really stinks is now it puts a lot more pressure on Andrew Abbott and Brandon Williamson because I think you could have used Lodolo coming back to maybe limit some of those guys. Uh, I mean, the Reds have some options. Brett Kennedy to is pitched really, really well. Uh, now, granted, he could get absolutely shelled tomorrow and all that goes by the wayside, but he's pitched really well. Lion Richardson. Uh, has big league stuff. Can he find a way to harness that and get big league batters out? That's yet to be seen. Uh, I don't think Connor Phillips is a part of the equation anytime soon. I, I would be almost surprised at this point if he, he makes a start, the, more than one start, maybe he makes like one, you know, filler start or something. But I, I just don't see him get a part of the equation. He just has walked too many batters. Uh, but then you're also, you know, you have to hope Ben Lively can kind of get some of that magic back. I know he hasn't looked good in his last couple Rehab starts coming back, but he he pitched really well at times. So uh, it's going to be a mixed match. There's a lot of off days in September, though. Right. So you can manipulate it a little bit, but you're also manipulating it with pitchers that probably also need those off days. So it's kind of a a catch-22 there. That's why it's what Hunter Green does. Uh, I think he's going to pitch Friday. That's just huge for the Reds. I mean, that's you need Hunter Green to be Hunter Green. Yeah. And it's not fair to him. Not fair to him right now, but... No, I mean, it is what it is. You, you get the ball in a major league stadium, you're expected to go out and perform. It doesn't matter where you're at before or what, what the circumstances are. That's professional sports. Um, I know that's easier said than done, but that's how I feel about it. I, I know that uh, people are like, well, Hunter Green might not be healthy. He's healthy. Okay, he's healthy. He wouldn't be out there if he wasn't healthy. Um, it just, he had a bad start. That happens, I guess, you know? I mean, it's, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for for Hunter Green and say that, uh, that that he's hurt or something's wrong or blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, some days you just have bad – you have a bad day at the office. And uh, let's just hope it was a coincidence that his bad day at the office was just so happened to be his first time out uh, in a long, long time, and it wasn't something that is actually concerning, which is, you know, he's not the same as he was before before uh, before he went on the uh, rehab stint there. So uh, Michael, Michael Rolfe really quick says, hot takes. I got one. Uh, Ashcraft is a staff ace. Two, Sinzel had a disagreement in the clubhouse that landed him in the doghouse. And three, Seabox Sports equals Greek God status. I don't know about three. Uh, that's probably not the truth. Number two, I don't know. I'd actually put a little bit of stock into that. Sinzel did seem like that was a little weird situation that went on there. I don't know. Who knows? Um, and then number one, believe it or not, I know you not, might not believe this, Michael, but at the beginning of the year, I think I said that I, th like, I thought Ashcraft was the best out of the three of them. However... Uh, when Ashcraft went through his little slump, it made me feel like I was an idiot. And then all of a sudden, now I don't look like such an idiot anymore. Who knows? At this point, it's a, it's a it's a guessing game. It's a guessing game. Keeping it as a kid show, but it's a guessing game. One more point on Lodolo. You have to you look, obviously, the long-term man, it, it's really concerning at this point. It's been just injury after injury after injury. You have to hope maybe he's a guy like, like Zach Wheeler is the guy that always comes to mind. That man, early in that guy's career... It was nothing, but this guy could never stay healthy. 
he signed like a hundred million dollar contract, which was seemed risky at the time and ended up being like an absolute steal for the Phillies because he has stayed relatively healthy and and, it, yeah. and has been able to overcome that. You have to hope like that's the kind of situation with Ladolo that just a whole bunch early in his career and he, he can find a way to stay healthy. But to say I'm not concerned would be um, a complete lie. The Sinzel one that was actually on on my my rundown here of Reds news. I got a couple other ones other than that, but yeah, Reds called up Mike Ciani and Nick Martini. Uh, Fairchild placed on the concussion IL. We expected that, and then Henry Ramos DFA'd. Uh, the fact that Sinzel's not he's eligible. The fact that he's not one of those uh, two it, it is pretty telling. I, the way the Reds worded it made it sound like they were sending him down. Kind of like I said, because there wasn't a lefty coming up, get him some at bats and bring him back up. I wonder if he didn't take that news very well. He didn't take that, you know, like that kind of seems like maybe reading between the lines. Like they said, hey, that's what we're doing. And he didn't like that. Uh, I mean, there has to be something more there because I just don't. I mean, these are two guys that. With all due respect, I mean, Mike Ciani can provide some significant defensive value. Um, I, I get if you're not going to Sinzel, I get the Nick Martini move. Like he's actually hit worse than Henry Ramos this year. Uh, but he has a little bit more experience. Probably is going to have some better at bats, those kind of things. Maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle. Ramos clearly wasn't cutting it, but Sinzel should be ahead of those guys on the depth start. There's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, listen, at this point it's, uh, you know, we're, we're arguing, we're, we're arguing over a pretty bad situation. You know, it's uh, I, I'm not going to get overly concerned about who we bring up at this point. It's like we're not we're not we're not picking from the cream of the crop. You know what I'm saying? So if we're not picking from the cream of the crop, I'm not going to sit here and and, and make uh, too too big of a fuss about it. The one thing I do want to discuss, uh, I, I listen. I know that I've been on the Vado situation since we've started this thing. I, and I've said I've been concerned about Vado. I said it from the very get go that Joey Vado is 39 years old. He's coming off of major surgery. If you guys don't want to listen to me and you want to act like he's going to come back and be the same guy he's always been, then so be it. And you know what? By God, you look like you were right at the beginning. You look like you were right. The only thing I'll say now, and the reason that I'm not screaming and yelling about Joey Votto not playing and being benched and all of these different things is this. Joey Votto has nothing to do with his previous success with this franchise. It has nothing to do with the legacy. It has everything to do with the fact that we're thin right now. Who's left? Who do we, who who? Who's going to take Joey Votto's spot right now that you think is like a huge, huge upgrade for sure? And on top of that, you know, are they going to be able to play, I guess in general terms, are they going to be able to play first base relatively successfully? And is CES the guy that you're going to pencil in every single day at first base right now? I guess, but again, some of this has to do with clubhouse too, Nick. Like I know that people might not want to hear that, but if you're already thin, you don't have a lot of great options already. You're not going to want to bench Joey Votto because of, honestly, like vibes. That might sound stupid, but I don't know. Who the who are you going to play over Joey Votto? Like, that's the real question I have. It's And you know how I've been about Joey. I've, I've been semi-critical of him because I don't think that he's what he used to be, and I love Joey, but he's just not that guy anymore. But who do you replace him with, Nick? Yeah, I mean that's that's the most important question. He's been really bad since the All Star break. There's no, there's no way of sugarcoating it. It it's been bad. But unless Jake Fraley comes back, which note on him, he plans to begin a rehab game with Triple A Louisville next week. Um, 
Jim Day said on the broadcast tonight that it only would be a couple games. So, but again, you're Fraley's playing on a hurt toe. So, is he just going to DH only? Is that has that been the word yet, or the, is he acting like he can play right field? That's what I would think, and that's what that's where you could say, all right, well, if he's DHing only, I think Christian Encarnacion Strand is probably a better option than Joey Votto. But that's a, I mean, that's pretty much the only way it would make sense to bench him. Because as weird as it sounds to say a 39-year-old has the most upside of any of these other players, Joey Votto still has the most upside because Joey Votto can get hot and hit three home runs or you know, in, right. in a couple games. He still has the power that, that's there. So uh, right now you're going to keep, you, you, you have to keep playing him. Um, he did make that really great defensive play at first base tonight. So, uh, you know, that was a huge, huge play in this game. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe he can catch fire before Fraley comes back. But if Fraley comes back and, and Fraley looks effective, they, then you might have to have that conversation. But there's no point having it right now because there's absolutely no one that's even worth replacing him right now. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, the other person that that's... Uh... I don't know. I, I mean, what a wild time we found ourselves in. Uh, Jonathan India is another guy where I don't know what's left with him. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to figure out what that situation is going to look like. He's pissed off at the medical staff about the way they handled his injury, and now he's in a position where, quite honestly, he's probably got some people in his ear that are like, hey, you need to make sure you're 100% healthy before you go back out there. We can't have you going into next year um, with a physical problem. And by physical, I mean like legitimately getting traded somewhere and having to do a physical. Um, and you get a doctor from another team that says, no, nah, this was never treated right or this doesn't look right. We're not taking it or we're not taking you. Ah, oh, man. The injury bug hits every team, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure of it. I'm, this isn't, Reds aren't the only team that has problems with, with, with injuries. It just definitely kind of stinks that we're in a position now where it feels like, you know, we just we just aren't we aren't good enough, in my opinion, to make the postseason based off what we have right now. Now again, not trying to we 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 won today. Don't don't let me be the guy that's bringing us down. But it's just like we need some guys back. Jake Fraley has to come back, and or Jonathan India has to come back. If those two guys don't come back, then we honestly we need Joey Votto. We we have to have him. He's got it. He's got to play. I'm not saying it's play unbelievable, but he's just got to play better. So now, you know, that's just where we're at. I, I don't know how else to tell you. I don't know how else to tell it to the chat. We either need to get healthy, or we need guys to start playing a little bit better. Because winning the games that we won like tonight aren't going to happen all that often. The Angels gave us one. Is that fair in saying the Angels gave us one? Because that's how I feel about it. No. Yeah, but we deserved it. Oh, we uh, we had some games. No, I mean the Reds did. The Reds lost some games over the last uh, couple weeks that that were gross losses. You know, they had a game that their bullpen blew it, which against the Marlins. I mean, the bullpen's been incredible all year. It has pitched really well in so many other games, and so yeah, I mean, I think the Reds deserve to win like this with kind of the way things have been going. Um, but yeah, I mean, but they also, you know, they 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 took advantage, and then Graham Ashcraft absolutely shoved, and the bullpen shoved as well to to secure the win. So, yeah, I mean, the Angels let the Reds back in the game, but then once the Reds got it, I mean, Reds held a four, Reds held the Angels to uh, three runs for, for quite a while. What did the Angels not score a run the last five innings of this game? I mean, that's in their home ballpark. I mean, that that's, that's a pretty big deal. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's I mean, a good it's, offensive team. It's not a good team, but that's a good offensive team. I'd venture to say they're a decent team. I mean, the the, the, the Angels are a decent team. All right, we we got uh, we got uh, Reds in my LB. Um, so let's get into that, and then obviously we'll get into the starters as we always do after we have some Reds in my LB. Nick, take us around the farm. All right. Triple-A Louisville, they lost 24-10 to to Toledo tonight. Louisville bats 63-56 and on the season. A lot of players in action, so I'll run through them as quickly as I can. Jose Barrero, two for five, hit a home run, his 11th at Triple-A. This is a guy that, that maybe we need to have, start have a conversation about coming back up. A home run, 104.9 off the bat, 412 feet. Also hit a triple over 100 off the bat, and that was against Spencer Turnbull, which the reason that's important, if you don't know who that is, he's a major league pitcher, pitched really, really well last year. He's on a rehab start. So good day for uh, Jose Barrero. Kirk Sally, one for five, had two balls, hit over 100 miles an hour. Nixon Zell, one for five, single at 104. That was also off Spencer Turnbull. Uh, Sinzel also stole his fourth base already down at AAA. Justin Dunn made his first appearance with AAA, um, coming back from his rehab assignment. He pitched two previous times with uh, the Arizona Complex League, gave up one run in an inning. TJ Antone, he pitched a scoreless inning, and he's gone three consecutive scoreless innings without allowing a run. Uh, to the bad, Levi Stout got rocked, seven runs over two innings, uh, really having a bad year. Casey Legumina also had a rough one. Only got one batter. I'll give it three runs. But I'll leave you with a positive. Jason Vossler had his 14th home run, and it went 437 feet. All right, Chattanooga, double-A. They won 8-2 over Tennessee. Look out 63-51 and 51 on the season. Reese Hines, 2-for-5, hit his 21st home run. Blake Dunn, 1-for-4 with a walk. Stolen base is 46th stolen base of the year. And then um, Carson Spires got kind of climbing up um, on, on the conversation among Reds pitchers. Pitched uh, five innings, still saw two runs, struck out nine. The Dayton Dragons, they won 5-4 tonight. Uh, the Lansing Lugnuts, their center fielder, dropped a fly ball with two outs in the bottom of the night. They were up a run uh, to allow two runs to score. So the Dragons win. They improved to 59-56 and in the season. Uh, this was important for the Dragons. They're now three and a half out of first place in the Midwest League East Division second half race. Edwin Aurora one for four with a walk. Carlos Jorge one for five. Stout Stewart over three with a walk tonight. And then last but not least, Daytona. They had a tough one. They lost seven to one. Now 50 and 62 on the year, but some good performances. Uh, Cam Collier, he was on base four times tonight. Also stole his fourth bag. Collier hitting 387 with an OPS over 1,000 in August. Victor Acosta, two for three with a double. Hector Rodriguez, one for four, stole his 18th bag of the season. We got some guys. We still got some guys down there now. I mean, we got a lot of guys that have come to the big league, so that uh, that farm pool that we've been talking about all year is not as, not as plethora because they're all headed to the big leagues. But Cam Collier is a guy that... Cam Collier is a guy that I'm excited about, man. I'm glad we didn't trade him for Giolito. Shout out Conrad in the chat said Carlos Jorge had a homer robbed and Arroyo also almost went deep as well back to back. I did not see that. Try to pay attention as much as I can, but thank you, Conrad, for shouting that out. That's uh, good information. That is good information. Uh, let's do the who, what, when, where, and why before we get into some other stuff in the chat. All right, so we got a doubleheader. Game one 
Andrew Abbott against Shohei Otani. Get your popcorn ready, 4.07 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Otani, his last three starts is not a lot of run. That's 19 innings pitched, uh, seven hits, no runs. Uh, he is currently 35 and a third innings away from his career high. Obviously, Shohei Otani has been great. Hopefully, maybe he'll start wearing down tomorrow. Hopefully, guy that's not going to wear down is Andrew Abbott. He's having a great year, 2.99 ERA. Uh, zero walks and 14 strikeouts in his last two starts. So that's really good. And he has dominated left-handed batters this year. Left-handed batters hitting 155 with an OPS below 400 against Andrew Abbott. And then in game two, I believe it's going to be Lyon Richardson. Reds have not officially announced the starting pitcher. I think the Reds are going with Lyon Richardson. Uh, obviously has incredible stuff. Also worth noting, Richardson got up to 81 and 74 pitches in his last two starts at AAA. Uh, so... Uh, he, he could probably maybe go a little bit longer than we had thought that first time, assuming he's starting. And then for the Angels, it'll be Reed Detmers. Um, he's coming off an incredible start against the Rangers. Just allowed one hit, took a no-hitter into the eighth inning in that game. He also threw a no-hitter and in, had an immaculate inning last year. Uh, this is a 10th overall pick in 2020. Guy that is incredibly talented, but he's just been incredibly inconsistent this year. Best example, he threw seven shutout innings against the Dodgers on June 20th and then give seven earned runs against the Dodgers in July. So, inconsistent pitcher. Hopefully, he is uh, on the inconsistent side tomorrow. He's coming off a great start, so he's due to get shelled. Good. Let's just hope he's bad. Really, really bad. One more thing I'd like to point out here that I would do if I was David Bell, but of course I'm not David Bell, so he probably won't do this. I, I would I would pitch reverse. I would pitch reverse. I'd, I'd throw out Lion uh, Richardson tomorrow against Otani. See how that goes. Maybe it goes well for you. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you win a game. But I'm winning the series tomorrow. I'm winning the series tomorrow. If you can win the series tomorrow, you feel good about it no matter what. I would hate for them to lose some close one-run game against Otani and then they play uh, the second game and somehow things were to go wild. I know that people might say, that's crazy talk, blah, blah, blah. You're facing Otani, arguably one of the best pitchers of all time. Uh, one of the best players of all time. I would rather just say, hey, you know what? I think that we're going to probably 100% win. I know that's not a guarantee, but I like our chances if Andrew Abbott throws in that second game. Seems like something I would do personally, but uh, maybe we won't. I don't know. I just that's how I would do it. But but go ahead. What do one you thing think? I just remember, I remember seeing this, uh, and so I just checked it. Uh, Andrew Abbott does have better numbers in daytime starts. So I, there might be something about his deceptiveness at, at a at a you know during the day that that they like. So I would just I, I'm not saying that's the absolute reason to do it, but that could just come into play. Just kind of right figuring out why they would go that way. I agree in general. I, I think I would go. I would. Uh, you know, you're playing with house money against Otani. Start Andrew Abbott in game two. Uh, make you know Otani may not play in game two. I know he played both doubleheaders in the last game, but I would think the Angels at some point are going to be worried about Shohei Otani's health. They don't seem to give a damn about anything right now. No. Uh, but I, I would think there might be a chance Abbott could be facing a lineup without Otani in, in game two. So that could also come into factor. Man, you could have Otani go out and you know have a chance to really be able to dominate an Angels lineup that's not really good against lefties either. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I just know that this offense right now for the Cincinnati Reds does not look all that great, if we're being honest. Um, they, they're striking out a significant amount. 
Shehu Atani, uh, let's hope he let's hope he has a bad day tomorrow. We'll see where it goes, but I would venture to say that he won't have a bad day, and I'd like to make sure that my ace Andrew Abbott is not the uh, he's not on the bad side of of a great outing. You know, that's what I would. I just two to one, two to nothing would be disgusting for the Cincinnati Reds if that's the way that it goes down. But maybe we win two to nothing. I'll try to be positive here. And we're going live after game two tomorrow, right? We will not two. be going live after game one, just after game, game two. two. So plan your evenings accordingly, folks. That's right. Make sure that you know exactly what time we're going live and cancel all of your plans. That's what we expect for you to do on this show. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We greatly appreciate all of the love and support. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, well, what are you waiting for? Do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game this season, just in time for your daily commute, your morning coffee, or however else you get your day started. And also, make sure that you are subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so you can join us live after every single Reds game this season and be a part of the conversation. Hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. We hope that you have a fantastic day. And as always, go Reds.